Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Today, today we're going to glance at one passage of scripture and sort of jump into another. Uh, begin with me at Acts chapter 9. We're not going to delve deeply into Acts chapter 9. I dealt with it on Thursday. But the other text we're going to examine, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, ties into how we examine Acts chapter 9 and how we examine Philippians 3 uh, uh, builds on how we examine Acts chapter 9. So I've already read Acts 9 in your hearing, the verses we're going to look at. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3 in a few minutes after we get into the message. So for right now, let's jump right in to this morning's message. We continue this sermon series entitled From Now On. These are messages to empower all of us as we uh, endure or even enjoy this new normal. Look, y'all, life has changed. Things are different. And for me personally, I'm not, I, I don't want life to necessarily go back to normal as it was prior to the pandemic. Of course, it'd be great to be able to go to a restaurant and sit down and be comfortable and not worry about catching some life-threatening disease. Of course, it'd be great to uh, attend worship uh, with our church family and not worry about uh, masking or social distancing. Uh, those things would be great, but there are some aspects of pre-pandemic living that I don't want to welcome back. I'm ready to walk into a new normal. And so this From Now On series, I really hope empowers all of us to do that. To, the title of today's message, again, we're picking up where we left off on left off on Thursday evening for Emana Bible study, but it's a different title of today's message. This message is simply entitled, This Chapter of My Life. This Chapter of My Life. Same teaching from Thursday, but we're going to build upon it. We're going to quickly review Acts chapter 9, then jump into Philippians chapter 3, and then we're going to bounce. That's going to be it, all right? Uh, so we continue this series from now on, This Chapter of My Life. I've already read Acts chapter 9. The verses we're going to deal with, so let's jump right into it. Here's, here's what we find. Acts chapter 9, y'all. Acts chapter 9 is not only a new chapter in Luke's book, but Acts 9 is a new chapter in Saul's life. Saul, this Pharisee from Tarsus of the tribe of Benjamin, relentlessly righteous man, begins this chapter of his life and this chapter of the book outraged. He was incensed about people embracing Jesus as God's promised Messiah. And like a hungry lion chasing its helpless prey, Saul was hunting Jesus' followers to have them arrested and executed. But he messed around and got saved. He got converted. He got converted. And from now on, from now on, the man at the beginning of Acts 9 will no longer exist. The thing that he fought against will become the thing that he fights for. He began the chapter outraged and fighting against anything aligned with Jesus Christ. By the end of the chapter, he personally aligned with Christ. He began the chapter persecuting Jesus. He ended the chapter preaching Jesus 
is the son of the living God. He began the chapter looking to put Christians in chains and make them prisoners. He ended the chapter as one who is on his way to wearing chains as a prisoner of Christ. I don't know how the current chapter of your life began, but the end can be exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think according to the power of God that works in you. How, you may ask? Let's review very quickly, very quickly, how it happened for Saul. And we covered this, the following uh, text this past Thursday evening during Emana. The first thing I shared with you this past Thursday was what happened to change Saul's life is something happened to Saul that was beyond his control. Something happened to Saul that was beyond his control. And we looked at the very beginning of the chapter, verses 3 to 5, to be uh, specific. And out of nowhere, this light shone from heaven and Saul fell to the ground. The Lord Jesus spoke to Saul and Saul experienced something that was beyond his control. This began the process of conversion. And we too can experience new beginnings through life-changing events that are beyond our control. This pandemic is beyond our control. For some of us, many of us, loss of a loved one, unemployment, cancer, or other diseases that could not have been prevented beyond our control. And although you cannot control the event, strive to leverage it so you are better aligned with what God is doing in the earth. Saul became a different person due to an experience that was beyond his control. But secondly, as we covered this past Thursday, uh, his crowd changed. His crowd changed. Saul, in Acts 9, embarks upon a new normal because he experienced something beyond his control. But secondly, his, his crowd changed. There were some guys who were with Saul as he entered Damascus. They were with him at the beginning of this chapter of his life. But by the end, they're not around. Saul's crowd, his, his closest friends, had changed. He hooked up with some very serious Christ followers, folks, folks like Ananias and other believers in Damascus and others in Jerusalem, like Barnabas and the apostles. Uh, they all played a part in Saul's new beginning as a fired-up follower of Jesus. Some say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Invest time with people who pull you up and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. If your friends aren't helping you grow, you may need to change your crowd. I'm saying that in Acts 9, Saul ventures into a new normal. He experienced something that was beyond his control. His crowd changed. And thirdly, as we dealt with this on Thursday, he grew continually in his convictions. Verse 22 of Acts 9 says that Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. In other words, he grew more and more certain in his convictions. Saul kept growing in his Christian convictions and you could hear it in his preaching. He became more and more convinced that Jesus of Nazareth was the promised Christ of God. I pray that the same that is said of Saul can be said of you. That you become more and more powerful. In other words, more and more convinced of who God is. That, that you're stronger in your convictions. That with all the ups and downs in your life, all of the storms and all of the trials and tragedies in your life, that it makes you more and more convinced, convinced uh, as to who Jesus is. I want to encourage somebody to know that God is still a way maker. He's still a miracle worker. He is still a promise keeper. He is still a light in the darkness. In this season, draw close to him and watch him draw close to you. This, this chapter, this ninth chapter of Acts, is not only a new chapter in the book of Acts, but it's also a new chapter in Saul's life. It began one way and ended another. 
Saul walked into a new normal due to an experience that was beyond his control. His crowd changed. He continually grew in his convictions. He is not the same. The good news is, y'all, that it stuck. This new man that we see emerge in Acts chapter 9. 20 years later, he'll, be, he'll still be in that same direction. There was this, 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 what we read about in Acts 9 wasn't just a dramatic random incident in Damascus. Saul didn't experience that light shining round about him and losing his sight, preaching Jesus in a couple of synagogues and eventually returning back to the same old outraged, violent, old school thinking Saul. What happened in Damascus stuck. How did he continue to grow and move further into his new normal? Let's pick up where we left off from Bible study this past Thursday evening. Let's move to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Paul, formerly known as Saul, has written to the Philippian saints to encourage them and thank them for some financial support that he has received from them. There is 20 years between Saul's life-changing experience on the Damascus Road and his writing this letter to the Philippians. 20 years, y'all. 20 years later, and he is still passionate about Jesus. Probably, it could probably be said that he's more passionate now than ever before. And what's really intriguing is Acts 9 began with Saul looking to put Christians in chains. And now he writes the Philippians, sharing his testimony about his worship as a Christian in chains himself. He wrote the Philippians while he himself was in chains in prison. In Philippians 3, let's begin at verse 14 and pick up where we left off. From this past Thursday, Philippians three and four says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, in reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is the testimony of that brother we were reading about in Acts chapter 9, who began a new chapter of a new normal, of a fired up follower of Christ. And now 20 years later, he writes and tells them, I'm still on fire. How did he do it? How, how did he continue in this new normal and prevent what happened in Damascus from being just some random incident that happened back in the day? 
Here's the fourth thing I want to add to what we've already discussed on this past Thursday. Number four is he changed the way he counts. He changed the way he counts. Jump in there at verse 7 with me real quick. Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, rubbish, that I may win Christ. Again, y'all, it's been 20 years between Saul and Acts 9, and the Apostle Paul writing the words we'll examine today in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians 3, the Apostle shared how he has been able to continue growing over the years. One thing that has changed is the way he counts, what matters to him, what he deems very important, anything he could brag about. He has processed his priorities in the past, and, is, and it is still having present results. Paul is saying he has reevaluated some stuff that at one time mattered so much, he invested lots of time and energy toward them. He said he used to make a big deal of, number one, his pedigree as a pure-blooded Hebrew. In verse 5, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am, here it is, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. In other words, Paul is saying, if I could brag about anything, I could brag about that. If there was anything that boosted my self-esteem, my self-worth, my, my sense of importance, it was the fact that my pedigree, I had pedigree as a pure-blooded Hebrew. Not only that, but Paul counted something else. He counted his prestige as a member of the Pharisees. Paul says in verse 5, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded strict obedience to the Jewish law. In other words, Paul is saying, if I had to count the stuff I could brag about, if I had to count the stuff that really mattered to me, that made me feel important, that made me have some sense of self-worth, self-esteem, I counted my prestige as a member of the Pharisees. Because you couldn't just be any old body and become a Pharisee. But I, Paul says, I, back in the day, I was a Pharisee in that really mattered to me. It was very important. But not only that, not only his pedigree or, or his, his prominence as, as a Pharisee, uh, but he also says his piety, his piety as a zealous, righteous follower of the law. Verse 6, he says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without a fault. Paul says when it comes to stuff that made me feel important, stuff that really mattered to me, my pedigree, my prestige, and my piety. Paul, Paul says getting it right according to the law and living uh, according to that standard of righteousness, it really mattered to me. But now, Paul is saying in Philippians 3, now, now things are different. At the very beginning of Acts chapter 9, when Paul was saw, all of this stuff was true. His prestige, his pedigree, his piety, oh, it was, it was on fleek, as the young folk used to say. But Paul is saying, I've, I've grown over these two decades, and things are different now. He has different priorities. He has a different way of sizing himself up. He doesn't need pedigree, prestige, or piety in order to feel like he has worth or his life counts. He said he's changed the way he counts. One more time, look at that seventh verse of Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, but that I may win Christ. In this chapter of our lives, 
Many people are doing some counting. Many of us are reassessing what really matters. I've had conversations where people are investing more time with their families. Uh, Self-care is a major topic of conversation right now. Many pastors, church leaders, and church consultants are reassessing what really counts as it pertains to the church. I've seen persons who are incarcerated uh, uh, realize they need to make some serious life changes. Not only because they're not only because they're locked up, but because maybe they maybe they have a daughter or a son that they want to be present for. People who have nearly died from overdosing on drugs have reached that point where they they've said to my, they said to themselves, "This ain't working." This ain't working. I got to make some changes. They've reassessed their priorities and resolved to make changes for the better. Paul has changed the way he counts. He is a different man with different principles, different priorities. Paul says, if I had to, if I had to share, some, share with you some stuff I want to brag about, I'd share stuff like this. Here he goes. He says, being right with God is something that counts to me now. Look at that ninth verse of Philippians 3. And become one with him, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Here it is. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Paul, what are you saying? Paul says that years ago, years ago, I, I really thought I had it going on as a righteous o- obeyer of the Old Testament law. But I see things differently now. Being right with God is a big deal with Paul. He, 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 at one time, he thought he had to earn being right with God. He, he thought he had to work his way to being right with God. But now he understands we are made right with God through faith, through faith. It is our faith in Jesus that makes us right with God. When we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, God makes us right with him. We cannot earn it. We cannot deserve it. We can never deserve it. We are made right or, as the Bible calls it, justified. Justified by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And if you are not right with God, I'd make that a big deal right now. I wouldn't count on my deeds making me right with God. God makes us right with him through our faith in Christ, through our faith in Jesus, death on the cross. God gives us the gift of salvation. He gives us eternal life. God makes us right with him. And being right with God is a big deal. Being right with God is a big deal. And if you are not right with God through faith in his son, Jesus, you will perish. Get right with God today. Paul also said, in addition to being right with God, Paul counted knowing Christ, knowing Christ. Paul says, some of the stuff that used to matter to me doesn't matter that much anymore. But one thing that matters to me now is knowing Christ. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. That's enough right there. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Paul, what really matters to you now? Paul, do you want God to blow your ministry up? No, I just want to know Christ. Paul, do you want more followers on social media? Paul says, I I want to know Christ. Knowing Christ is what counts. That's how he made this incident that happened on the Damascus Road stick. This, This is how he continued to grow and become this passionate apostle who now writes the Philippians. Paul says, listen, if you want to ask me what really matters in my life, what really counts in the whole scheme of things, I'll tell you intimately and experientially knowing Christ, that counts. And Paul made it a priority. He made it a priority to know Christ for real, for real. I'm talking about a knowledge of Christ that goes beyond Sunday school. 
I'm talking about a knowledge of Christ that goes beyond what you learn about him through Bible study or even listening to a, a, a preacher from Flint preach about the word of God. Listen, he wanted knowledge gained from his personally experiencing the power that raised Jesus from the dead. This power would continually make him a new creation in Christ. And this knowledge wasn't to simply make Paul more knowledgeable. Rather, knowing Christ intimately and experientially was to result in Paul becoming just like Jesus. Paul says, that's a big deal to me. That counts knowing Christ. Not just knowing about him, knowing him intimately, knowing him experientially from the experiences that I've had with him. And if I were you, I would make that a big deal in your life right now. I would make that a big deal in this current chapter that you're in, getting to know Jesus and knowing him for real, for real, knowing him intimately, knowing him experientially, knowing him personally yet yeah, get get in bible class now don't get me wrong get in bible class and and and, and even more importantly i want i, I want you to uh, get under the tutelage of someone who can rightly divide the word but you know what your life has to become a classroom you really want to know jesus like paul is talking about in philippians 3 and 10 you got to convert your life into a classroom i wonder if anybody understands what i'm saying your your life circumstances have to become classrooms your storm is a classroom use use your setbacks as classrooms use sickness as a classroom where jesus the healer becomes your teacher your your court cases are classrooms where where jesus the lawyer is your teacher you when your back is against the wall jesus the way maker is your teacher. I'm saying, I'm saying that your life experiences have to really teach you that what we read about in the Bible about Jesus is true. He is a miracle worker. He is able to raise the dead. He is able to, to look beyond your faults and meet your needs. Listen, it's wonderful to be in Bible study. It's wonderful to sit in Sunday school. It's wonderful to be in vacation Bible school every summer. But sometimes you got to go through some stuff in order to find out for yourself that what they tell you in Bible Bible study, what they tell you in the sermon series, what they tell you at the women's conference, the men's conference, what they tell you, listen, what they tell you in Sunday school is true. Jesus is all that and more. And I have a sneaking suspicion that some of y'all know what I'm talking about, that some of y'all know Jesus to be all that we say he is. Yet you've been to somebody's Bible study. Yet you've been to somebody's Sunday school. Yes, you've been to somebody's women's conference, men's conference. Yes, you've studied the word of God on your own in your early morning devotions. But some of y'all been through some stuff Well, you had to find out firsthand he is a healer. You, you've gone through some stuff where you found out firsthand he is a way maker. You've gone through some stuff where you found out he is a company keeper. He is a mind regulator. I wonder who, who can put in the comments, I found out for myself he is. He is. I found out for myself. Yes, yes. Look, 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 look at how you can make your life uh, a classroom. Paul, Paul says that is what really counts, knowing Christ intimately, knowing him personally. But not only that, Paul says, and when he's counting stuff that what really matters to him, stuff that he can brag about, he'd add to the list, suffering with Christ. Don't you, don't you log off. Don't you, don't you go streaming somebody else's worship. Listen, don't you, don't you tune me out. Listen, Paul says, when I look at stuff that really counts in this life, suffering with Christ would have to be on that list. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. 
I ain't going to lie, y'all. Union Grove, I told y'all this more than one time. This baffles me. This baffles me because I don't hear anybody in the 21st century church talking like this. I don't talk like this. None of my pastor friends talk like this. None of us are talking about I want to suffer with him. But Paul says, listen, when I size up the stuff that really matters, stuff that really counts in life, in any chapter of your life, Paul says he wants to suffer with Christ. He felt the only way to truly and ultimately be like Jesus was to suffer like him and endure doing so Christ would be with him Paul viewed suffering as a partnership with Jesus he believed when he suffered for the cause of Christ Jesus wouldn't leave him hanging Jesus wouldn't let him go through by himself Jesus would be right there with him and they would suffer together suffering is no small matter y'all Suffering for Christ is serious, and we must take it seriously because we don't suffer alone. Jesus suffers with us. So, so when you go through, remember, you are not alone. If you're going through right now, remember, you are not alone. If, you, if you're suffering for Christ right now, you've been ostracized, you've been cast aside, you've been persecuted, you've been labeled and misunderstood. For Christ, I want you to know you are not going through alone. Jesus is in the midst of that suffering with you. And with, with him being with you, you can overcome and prevail. Paul is giving us a list of stuff that counts to him now. It didn't count back in the day. He had a whole different counting system back in the day. But now, Paul says, let me give you another thing to add to the list of stuff that counts to me now. I would even add experiencing the resurrection from the dead. Paul says that counts to me experiencing the resurrection from the dead I'm in verse number 11 of Philippians chapter 3 he says so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead Paul says what helped him to continue growing and moving forward in his new normal was counting on being resurrected from the dead he knew the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would one day raise him from the dead being resurrected really mattered to Paul it, it influenced how he lived his life it made him fearless it made him unstoppable in sharing the gospel and the resurrection power of Jesus is available to us watch this as we live and when we die the same power abides inside every believer to drive transformation new beginnings new chapters of fruitfulness and victory make it a big deal in your mind and in your life I'm telling you that in this chapter, we, we may need to make some changes. We may need to change the way we count. Paul counted stuff like being right with God, knowing Christ, suffering with Christ and resurrection from the dead as priorities, commitments worth having, stuff worth bragging about. Ask, if you were to ask the typical Christian what counts today, we may hear things like God getting us out of our troubles, financial breakthroughs, being blessed with cash, cars or clothes. Listen, there is more to life than material things there's more to life than God moving to make your life more pleasurable and comfortable let me ask you something let me ask you something let me let me get all up in your business this morning uh, what are you counting in this chapter of your life what, what what are you counting what are you making a big deal in this chapter in your life what's what's driving you what to, to what are you investing your time and your energy don't be afraid to re-examine your life as Socrates was fa facing death he is said to have uttered the words the unexamined life is not worth living life y'all if the truth is told I'm sure I'll get some witnesses life can be something else 
<laughs> life, life can be something else. And life, life can hit different after you've experienced something beyond your control. Life can hit different when you've survived a heart attack. Uh, life can hit different when you're dealing with some with cancer or some other terminal illness or, or layoff or divorce and, and all sorts of trials that, that can make you take serious inventory of your priorities and your principles. And, and I believe that all of us are going through this pandemic right now because God is counting on us to reassess what really counts in our lives. Invest your time and your energy toward what really counts with him. Be right with him. Know Christ for real. Suffer with him. Right now and in the hereafter, experience the resurrection power of Jesus. All I'm trying to tell y'all is Saul that we read about in Acts chapter 9 has become a different person due to an experience that was beyond his control. His crowd changed. He grew continually in his convictions. He changed the way he counts. And finally, y'all, finally, he made a commitment to goal oriented living. Paul made a commitment to goal-oriented living. Look at verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3. Not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul is talking like a whole bunch of us talk. I ain't there yet. I ain't got it down yet. Uh, try Jesus. Don't try me because I might still throw some hands. Paul is saying, I, I ain't there yet. Look at what he says now. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. At some point in his life, Paul had set a goal in his heart to become like Christ he never, he never lost sight of that goal. He never lost sight of it. He never let go of that goal. He never gave up on that goal. He, he relentlessly pursued that goal. He was, he was aggressive in doing all he could to reach that goal as if he was obsessed with it. Um, I, I got some friends who have trained for, for marathons and, and Ironman competitions. I, I don't know if any of you ever had some know some folk that train for that kind of stuff. I mean, when they train for Ironman competitions or, or marathons, man, they are serious. They listen. They, they, they are all in to reach that goal of just being ready for the contest. Their diet changes. Their, their workout regimen is off the charts. While, while you and I are in the bed, they're in the gym. While, while, while you're drinking a Coke, they're drinking water. Uh, while you're eating your Like It size ice cream from Cold Stone, they're eating a Love It size bag of bean sprouts and broccoli. I'm, I'm saying they, they adamantly refuse to have a bite of your Cinnabon or your Krispy Kreme donut they're obsessed with becoming ready for the marathon or the Ironman and then you ask them why you eating your Krispy Kreme or your Cinnabon or taking another scoop of your of your Cold Stone ice cream or your Blizzard from Dairy Queen and they're sitting there eating their Brussels sprouts and, and their broccoli and their carrots and, and their cauliflower and all this healthy stuff uh, you ask them so so when is the competition when when is your Ironman when, when is the marathon they'll tell you oh it ain't but for three more years, three more years down the road, but they're so serious about getting ready for that thing that, that they take it, they take it day by day, meal by meal. They don't have any cheat meals. They don't have any cheat days. And my heart goes out to them, but God bless them. If that's your thing, that is your thing. But they ain't playing around with becoming marathon or Ironman ready. Paul is saying, I ain't playing around when it comes to becoming like Jesus. Here's what Paul meant by goal-oriented living. First of all, Paul says, goal-oriented living requires forgetting. Forgetting. Look at verse 13. Brethren, 
I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul has forgotten about the stuff he used to count as important. He, told, he hasn't totally forgotten it because he told us what he, what he wasn't studying no more right there in Philippians 3. He, he, he hasn't totally erased it from his memory. That's not what he means. He means when he says forgetting those things which are behind, he says, I don't care about that stuff no more. I don't care about that stuff anymore. I don't know if any of you hear that, that, that commercial on the radio. I don't care. I don't care. That one cat, he, he, he was selling cars a moment ago, and I think now he's trying to get folk out of that. I don't care. I don't care. Paul is saying, I don't care about the stuff in my past. I don't care. I, I haven't erased it from my memory. It's not a priority anymore. It's not on the radar of what I'm going to invest my time and my energy toward. Paul says, I, I just don't care about that stuff. I don't, I don't get caught up in my prestige or my notoriety or piety or my pedigree. He doesn't get caught up in the same stuff that he did back in the day he doesn't get sidetracked by his past he's living his life looking through the windshield rather than the rearview mirror he's like man forget about it prestige forget about it notoriety forget about it god blowing up my ministry forget about it what people say about me forget about it what people say about who i was back in the day paul is saying man forget about it and if you are going to commit to goal-oriented living you've got to forget some stuff You've got to come to that place where you just don't care about that stuff anymore and keep it moving. Paul says, listen, my goal oriented living means I keep I, I, I got to forget some stuff I'm I'm forgetting. But not only that, Paul says goal oriented living requires reaching reaching he, he says I'm forgetting and I am reaching again in verse 13 brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before when Paul says he's reaching he's saying that he's stretching himself out towards a thing he's he's straining towards that thing Paul ain't playing he is committed to goal-oriented living in reaching forth Paul is trying to reach toward a more spiritually mature version of himself. He is not settling for where he is as if that's, that's all he's going to do and all he's going to be. He's not, he's not settling for his current behaviors and, and telling folk, hey, uh, it is what it is. Everybody's human. Ain't nobody perfect. Paul says, no, there can be a better version, a, a, a more mature version of me that can emerge as I continue to live on this earth. And he wants to more closely resemble Jesus 24-7, 365. And in so doing, he is trying, hear me, y'all, he is trying to get as far away from his former life as Saul as he possibly can. Is there any version of you you trying to, you straining to get away from? Is there any version of you and how you got down prior to Jesus or when you were an immature babe in Christ that you're straining to get away from, that you're reaching toward? He is determined, y'all, I'm telling you, that Paul is determined to get away from that dude we read about at the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 9. So he is reaching through prayer without ceasing. He is reaching through thanksgiving and everything for this is the will of God. He is reaching through suffering for Christ. Put Paul in prison, he'll keep on reaching. If he gets shipwrecked, he'll keep on reaching. If he gets stoned, he'll keep on reaching. If he gets whipped and beaten, Paul says, I'm going to keep on reaching. When his friends abandoned him, he kept on reaching. When it comes to living for Christ, I'm saying that we've got to set a goal to become just like Jesus us and don't play with it reach give it everything you got 
Paul is saying I'm committed to goal-oriented living. This requires forgetting, reaching, and finally, it requires pressing. Pressing. I'm in verse 14. Paul says that he is pressing. I press. I press. I'm, I'm setting in rapid motion. I'm, I'm hastening. I'm hastening. I'm moving with a sense of urgency uh, to, on, to, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly reward, heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul has a goal and he is pressing. He lives with a sense of urgency, with goal-oriented living. This thing about becoming like Christ is is urgent, is critical. And then Paul says there is a prize for the pressing. If there's any incentive that we need to keep pressing, to keep striving to become like Christ, Paul says there's a prize with the pressing. There's a prize for the pressing. His prize is becoming like Jesus. Paul doesn't want to just blow up. He wants to become like Jesus. This is what will make him feel fulfilled. This is what will give him some sense of importance, some sense of self-worth. This prize for, for his pressing is worth living for, is, is worth suffering for, it is worth dying for. This prize is worth the persecution. It is a reflection of, a sanctif of sanctified goals. It is expected of every follower of Jesus to strive, to press, to become like him. And and I appreciate how, how Paul adamantly declares that he has not yet attained. That's my kind of brother right there. The one who says, I ain't there yet, but I'm trying. I'm not there yet, but I'm not settling for where I am. I'm not there yet, but I'm not settling for when I fall short. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm not making excuses and walking on crutches to stay where I am. Paul is saying, I've got to emerge a more mature version of myself. And I want to encourage somebody else to, to feel the same way to have that same resolve. Paul is saying, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but he hasn't reached his goal of becoming like Jesus yet. He is anointed, but he still messes up. He hasn't reached his goal yet. Some, some of the words of his mouth and meditations of his heart are not pleasing in God's sight, but he's pressing, he's forgetting, he's reaching, and sometimes you have to repent and keep on reaching. You got to repent and keep on forgetting. Repent and keep on pressing. Sometimes you have to confess your sins and be prayed for and keep reaching, keep forgetting, and keep pressing. So in this chapter of your life, keep pressing, keep forgetting, keep reaching. In this chapter of your life, set your number one goal of becoming like Jesus and give it everything you've got. And if you're not there yet, if you know you still have a ways to go, if you know you're not at all all, all that you ought to be but you're not who you used to be don't you feel bad about yourself don't you get down on yourself don't you beat yourself up rather praise God for progress maybe that's where somebody is today I can't praise him because I've overcome everything but I can praise him because I've overcome some things I can't praise him because I ain't struggling with, with, with nothing but I can praise him because I am struggling and winning with something I can't praise Listen, I can't praise him because I have attained, but I can praise him because I've made some progress. Is there anybody here who can praise God for progress? Is there anybody who can, in this chapter of your life, say, I still have a long way to go. But God has brought me from a mighty long way. I'm still not where I want to be. I'm still not where God really wants me to be. But I praise God today that the spirit of the living God has taken up residence on the inside of me and given me power to keep on pressing. Power to live this goal-oriented life. Is there anybody here who can praise God for progress? 
I know they keep bringing up who you were back in the day. I know they keep bringing up what you can't get right. But is there anybody here in this chapter of your life, hallelujah, can give God praise, praise for progress. Lord, I thank you for while I ain't what I ought to be, I'm not who I used to be. God, I thank you for how you kept me long enough to be able to testify if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Hallelujah. I don't know where I would be, but in this chapter of your life, in the current chapter, I don't know how it began, but I know how it can end. It may have had an awful beginning, but it can have an awesome ending. If you hang on in there, glory to God, with every circumstance beyond your control and change your crowd. Hold on to your Christian convictions. Change the way you count. Be committed to goal-oriented living and keep on running. Keep on running, running toward the prize. There's a prize for your pressing. There's a prize for every tear. There's a prize for every bit of anguish. And you're going to make it. Can I get a witness here? The pages of this chapter, of the life you're living right now, they're still being written. I want you to make sure that the narrative goes a little something like this. I trusted God to keep on working on me. I trusted God to keep working on my mind. I trusted God to keep working on my heart. And God has done exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's working in your life. Let the chapter say on some page in some sentence in some paragraph of this chapter of your life that he who began a good work in you is seeing it through to completion with every up every down every success every failure God will hallelujah God will I'm not going there today God will I ain't gonna mess with y'all with every test, every trial, every triumph, God will take care of you. Hold on to God's unchanging hand in this chapter of your life. I know it hadn't been easy, but God will take care of you. I'm not messing with y'all today. Let me get on home. But I got to holler one more time. God will take care of you hallelujah that's the title of my chapter God will God will God will take care of you he who began a great work in you he'll see it through to completion unto the day of Jesus Christ let it be written let it be written the story of your life, this chapter of your life that you didn't give up on yourself. You didn't give up when it got hard. 
You didn't give up in the midst of the pandemic. Let it be said, let it be said, let it be said. Please hear me, y'all. Let it be said that you didn't drift away from God when you couldn't make it to church. This chapter of your life, it needs to read something like this, that even though you couldn't get to the house of God, you got closer to God. That the pandemic got you closer to God. That losing loved ones in the pandemic got you closer to God. That unemployment, as horrific as that can be, got you closer to God. Yeah, that's what this chapter of your life needs to state. And they got closer to God. And, and, and she got closer to God. And he became more like Christ. That divorce made him more like Jesus. That divorce woke her up. That unemployment made her reassess some things, reprioritize some things. Yeah, losing that loved one made them stop, stop and sit down and really evaluate their lives. Let it be said that in this chapter of your life, you began to take your walk with Christ more seriously than ever before. And that you're more on fire now than ever. It may have taken something, some situation beyond your control. You may have had to change your crowd. But your convictions got stronger and stronger. You've changed the way you count. You've set some goals in your life. The number one goal being, I'm going to become more like Christ. I'm going to let this make me more like Christ. That's how the chapter, this chapter of your life needs to read. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.